Here we are on beautiful Jones Street. You start So I worked in a barbershop that was, yeah, it, it, it could get a little, yeah, I got some story. What, what you want? Did anyone uh, ever get mad at you at the haircut? They didn't like their cut? Yeah, I had some situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you want to hear about it? <laughs> we want to hear about it. Let me see. Uh, I had one situation. Get in here, dog. We got hilarious ATL comedian. <laughs> Chris Brown in the mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to throw on those headphones? You don't okay, have to okay, either way. All black, dude. True New York. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Chris, what's good, dude? It's good to see How you. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Good to see you, dude. Uh, so right before you came on the pod, dude, okay. I was looking at my hair and I was like, I need to figure out okay. when I'm going to get this haircut. And okay. I saw that you get a lot of inspiration from barbershops initially. Yeah. Before yeah, you yeah. started your comedy career. Uh-huh. So what's it like, dude, having a barbershop where you can go and talk shit? Like, I've never really had that in my life, dude. Because I'm like, every six months, I get a buzz cut. You get a buzz, and it doesn't man. really matter where I go. Yeah, white guys are not really, like, into, like, barbershop culture like that, though. You know, yeah, I would like to be, but I don't know what we would talk about. Well, you know what it is? I think it's the frequency of how often y'all get your haircut, though. You know, I think, you know, it's more like, uh, I mean, like maybe a couple, two, three times a year, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think that there are definitely some white guys, though, that go like every yeah, couple yeah, weeks I think it's starting to be, shape up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure it is some guys. But uh, nah, it's dope. I mean, you know, going into a barbershop, you know, you, you, you see people, you know, you start to develop relationships with the clients, the barbers, you know, you start to see. You know, the life changes and people's lives. You know, it's it's like really like a community though. You know, like the barbershop has always been a staple in the black community. So, and you were born in Atlanta. I was actually born in Dallas. Okay. Yeah, but I don't really talk about that too. too. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah my bad. Didn't mean. To nah, nah, it's cool though. <laughs> when yeah, I'm did over you, here false claiming, man. Yeah. When did when did you uh, move to ATL? I moved to Atlanta when I was like six, though. So I don't really I don't really have like. Uh, a strong connection to Dallas, though. So Atlanta is really where I was that's raised. Like where you started? School. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah, that's why I went to high school. At. That's where you know I was raised at. So that's like you know what I what I claim because that's that's really what made me though. You know, Dallas. How, how old were you when you came here to New York? I moved to New York when I was uh, let me see, 2012. So that was like maybe 12, 13 years ago. I was like 30, 31. But I went to school in New Jersey. I went to undergrad at Rutgers, though. So okay, bro. I went, to, I went to UConn. Oh, you went to UConn? So I was Big, in the East. Big East. Okay, yeah, when you came out, people don't know about Big East. Big uh, East. Twenty fourteen, I graduated. Okay, so I played. Uh, I played tennis at okay. UConn, and that was like right around the time that uh, Rutgers got rid of their men's program. Okay, okay, I, I got you. Cutting to save I can money. see you playing tennis. You got. You yeah, got bro, like. Got, that. Yeah, you got like pro tennis vibes movement. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You got pro tennis vibes, though, you know? That was the plan. Yeah, yeah, That was yeah. the plan. But okay. uh, tennis, if you don't start when you're super young, yeah. when you're, if you're not on the court by the time you're like four or five, six years old, I don't yeah. want to make excuses, but there are just so many kids that are out there. Yeah. Uh, the young age, maybe their dad or mom's a tennis pro, and they're just feeding them balls you yeah, know, yeah, on the yeah. court really for years. Be, yeah, yeah. And, you know, being in like Russia and all these places where kids just like fucking want it. And guys yeah. like, you, you know tennis at all? Not really, though. You know Novak Djokovic? I'm familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, so he's like the best tennis player of all time now. He's okay. number, number one in the world. But okay. he was playing tennis when there were bombs going off in Serbia. Oh, so you know it's a lot different than playing tennis. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was, he I mean. was, yeah. Okay, that's that's serious business, though. Yeah, he just wanted that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. But uh, yeah, man. So you was at UConn, huh? 
Yeah. Yeah, UConn is a. Uh, and I was born in New Brunswick. I was, oh, you were born in New Brunswick? That's right. That's right. We did. There. We yeah, were we talking, talking about, about that, that though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Chris, you and I met for the first time like a week ago, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we were hosting the show. Nice little combo. Yeah, 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 yeah. We you was, we, yeah, we was. <laughs> We was, I was over there complaining about nah, money. Dude, all good, though. It happens, bro. It happens uh, in our line of work. But you're all over the city, man. I know um, mm-hmm. you shot an album or recorded an album in yep. July. I recorded an album. So how did that go and what did that look like? Yeah, man. So I recorded my first album. I did it on my own independently. I didn't have a label behind me. I ended up signing with a label after I recorded it. Uh, you know what sparked uh, the idea of creating an album Things were slowing up for me in the city, man, like spot-wise. And I, I kind of can tell, like, you know, I was starting to kind of get into that that bitter place, you know, where you start to complain, you ain't getting. So I was just like, yo, let me just stay proactive. Let me stay positive and let me just do something on my own. So I was just like, yo, let me record my own album. And um, it was something that I kept saying I was going to do, but, I, you know, I had been procrastinating for a while. So it's kind of like that was really like what triggered it. It was just like, yo, stuff was slowing down. So I was like, yo, let me let me keep moving. And it was probably one of the best things I could have ever did in like the 10 years I've been doing comedy. Like yeah. it's to the point now that I'm selling people like, yo, record an album, man. Like do it. Like it was scary. It was hard. And it was it was frustrating. But like I'm I'm so I'm so happy. It's actually coming out December 15th, man. Let's go. Uh, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so this is uh, this episode will be out this coming Monday, which okay. is the 11th, maybe. OK, OK, OK. Yeah, okay yeah. All right. Yeah. So in a few days. So yep. what's the day of the week? Uh, it's gonna be December fifteenth. I think that's a Friday. All right, let's at go. Midnight. So yep. This Friday at we midnight, you it. check out uh, Chris Brown <laughs> yeah. comedy. Where yeah. can we find it though? It's called I Just Look Like This. You can catch it on <laughs> Spotify, Apple Music. Nice, bro. Uh, everything, man. Uh, it's actually being streamed on uh, SiriusXM now too, though. You know what I mean? What so, a perfect time to come mm, on the pod. So, yeah. how does that album look? Is it like? There are 12 different tracks with like four minute jokes or what does it look like? So it's, it's 15 tracks. It's a little shorter than, than a lot of albums. You, by the way. Okay, cool. Appreciate yeah. it. You know, I see you holding the mic. I guess I got Yeah, dog. <laughs> well, I want you to be more comfortable so you can like animate with well, nah, your it, Nah, it's cool. You I was just trying I mean? to make sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think All it's right, good. Cool. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out how I was going to do it. But uh, yeah, so it's 15 tracks. Uh, I, I kind of cut it up and I, and I blended certain, you know, tracks so it could like have like a nice little track limit to it because you know in the city of new york when you're doing comedy it's like so rapid fire you know you can get to a punchline 15 20 seconds but like for serious xm and just to have a solid track i mean you can do like you know you kind of sometimes you have some jokes that have like a similar premise that you can all put together and you can blend them in so it's about it's average track is about two minutes long you know so two i got some four minute tracks but it's about 15 minutes, uh, I mean 15 tracks, and it's probably about between 30 and 40 minutes. So did you record, or you went on stage for how long? And then so the first show, I did two shows, July 20th, yeah. and I did a 7 p.m. show, and I did a 9 p.m. show. The first show, I was I was so nervous about capturing, you know, and, you know, and, and catching everything that I wanted, so I kept it kind of tight. Like, I remember going to... The, the manager at the time, she was like, you know, because, you know, a club, I did it at Westside Comedy Club, and it's just like, yo, they, it's just a regular night to them. You're like, you recording, but it's just like, so she was like, well, how much time are you going to do? I was like, I was gonna, I'm going to keep it to maybe like 30, 40. She's like, well, I need you to at least do 45 minutes so I can drop checks. So I was I was just saying it to say how, how nervous I was because I didn't want to throw anything. Because you start, for me, I started second guessing a lot of material like right before. I was like, dang, is this going to hit? Is this going to hit? Is this going to hit? Maybe I should like, take this out. 
So I so the first show I did probably about forty minutes, right? And it came out well, you know, to the point where I felt comfortable with the forty. You know, I would probably about thirty minutes of it. So I knew I had enough to the point for the second show I did like fifty five, and I just threw out a lot of stuff. Mess around a little. Yeah, bit yeah, I played around. I felt so much more comfortable, and then I already knew I had so much from the first show that I really threw a lot, and I did probably about 55 for the second show, really let my head down. Uh, going up to making this album and mm. being, you said you procrastinated a little bit, was there a point where you were like, all right, I got to use all this material, I kind of want to do new jokes, or what did that look like? Well, I, you know, I, I've been doing comedy for like 10 years, and so uh, there, there were a lot of jokes that I was just tired of doing that I kind of wanted to retire uh, that was it's just like a part of my life that I'm, you know, like I, I was, I was married and I got divorced and I'm in a new relationship. So it was a lot of stuff that I kind of was just tired of talking about that really just wasn't me. So I kind of wanted to do something where I could just put it out. Then I also had new material too, that kind of like, you know, exemplified like the growth of me as a comedian. Like, you know, I'm a better writer now, you know, I feel like I'm a better performer, you know, I'm picking better material. So it was like a combination of like getting rid of old stuff, but also like bringing in some of the new stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I, I got on the road, so like I, I decided to do it like maybe, maybe like like uh maybe six or seven. I say probably in January I decided I was gonna do it, and uh, I decided to to book some some road dates just so I could get used to like doing longer sets. So Between I was, January and July. Yeah, so I said I was gonna get out twice a month. And I just set up my own shows, reached out to venues, and I was I was doing these forty five minute sets, so just so I could kind of have a basis and get comfy, and just kind of so I could have like a streamline of what I was going to talk about. So I did that from January, February, March, April, and most of the time people take probably a lot more time to to, to record an album. I'm sure it's like, but I'd already had material, you know, so it was just kind of like a fine tuning that I was doing, you know. Nice man. So guys, check that out. December fifteenth. Yep. December fifteenth. Yeah, yep. Dude, so uh starting your comedy career, mm -hmm. did you feel that when you were in Atlanta there was like a ceiling to where you needed to move to a New York or start traveling the country? Or what well, you know what's funny? Like? I I didn't even start in uh I started comedy in New York. So I was already just living in New York. I actually moved up to New York. Like, I think I was acting at first. I took some acting classes and I just, I moved back up to New York because I went to school in Jersey. I was always like, I love the tri-state area. So I was just up in New York and I met a pro comedian that I didn't even know. I was cutting his hair in the shop. Like, I didn't even know who he was, you know, because like, I really wasn't even like watching stand-up comedy like that, to be totally honest with you, though. And, uh... Yeah, man, I met him, and you know, I, you know, he said he was a comedian. I thought I was like funny. People always told me I was funny, and uh, he he just kind of like inspired me. He actually was kind of mean. He told me like, "Yo, quit talking about comedy, and, you know, unless you're gonna do it, you know, bro." Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's heard it hundreds of times. Yeah, if not thousands. and it's funny. I'm, I kind of feel the same way now. Like when I meet people, they're like, "Oh, you know, I can." Oh, to try, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And it's just like, yo, either do it, quit talking to me about it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of. So I actually was already here. Do you have any good stories from the barbershop? Uh, what, good stories? <laughs> Maybe like somebody came in, he was asking something, he was being difficult. 
I, mean, I got some scary some stories fights. in the shop, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scary you want hear some scary stories? I don't yeah, know, dog. man. Like, I, I, you know, I don't, you, you like, you might blow up, Ted. Well, this no, might, we'll this put, might hit out, bro. We'll put it in the beginning <laughs> of the episode. So oh, people are like, what? I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I worked in a barbershop in Southwest Atlanta. I'm from Southwest Atlanta, which is kind of like. So what part is that? Like what town? That's like just like the West Side. It's just the city of Atlanta. It's just the West Side. So okay. it's just kind of like you know. People kind of consider a little, a little rough. So I worked in a barbershop that was, yeah, it, it, it could get a little, yeah, I got some story. What, what you want? What How you much want? were the haircuts? At that, that time, you charge? I think we were charging like $15, $20. And how long would that take you usually? 30 minutes more? Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it depends on how many people you got. At, at that time when I was cutting hair, I really wasn't as focused on time management so i think i would take i mean but you got to speed up because you got clients waiting yeah here. yeah but i say 15 I, I say depends 30 between 30 and an hour you know somebody tipping you good you might you might spend a little bit extra time you know but, anyone uh, ever get mad at you at the haircut they didn't like their cut yeah i had some situations then, yeah 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 yeah. you you want to hear about it <laughs> we want to hear about it let me see uh i had one situation where uh I, I I never forget this. I uh, I was cutting this dude. I, you know that's another thing too. So it was a hood shop, and it's like it used, it used to be a lot of street dudes that used to come in there though. So it's a lot of drug dealers coming there though. So that used to be the biggest fear, is to like mess up somebody that you knew was in the streets. Because <laughs> you just don't know how they're gonna react. Sure. You know. So I remember this one dude came in the shop. I know he was from Miami, and uh, I could tell he was street because at that time. It was a lot of Jeezy. You know, I'm young Jeezy. Yeah. So he was always, he, he was just talking about how he loved Jeezy. And he was telling me why he loved Jeezy, young Jeezy. And one reason why, because I didn't understand why. I was like, yo, why? He's an Atlanta dude, right? Yeah. Well, he was from Miami. But he no, was no, saying, no, young Jeezy. Yeah, young Jeezy. He's from Atlanta, oh, though. Okay. And so he was telling me, I was like, yo, like, why everybody going crazy about young Jeezy? And this, and this, this dude whose hair messed up. Good he was question. Like, he was like, one reason why everybody loves all, all the street dudes really gravitate to young Jeezy is because. Jeezy was quoting uh, prices for dope that like that are super accurate that we getting right now. So he was like a lot of drug. He's like a lot of rappers talk about like you know what they get for a key and all of this. And he was like, yo, those old prices. <laughs> so I knew you might yeah. as old though, but you're not in it right now though. So Jeezy was quoting. He was using sayings that like drug dealers were using like currently though. So it's just like somebody like that's a rapper and he's like talking about comedy and he's like you know using like. He's like, I got the light, so I wrapped up my yeah, set. Exactly. Or something like that. You know? And it's just like, yo, this dude really is in it. Yeah, you know what I mean? It. Exactly. So I remember him being, you know, real. I was like, okay, this, this guy is really pretty streaky. And I remember he told me to go with the grain on his head, though. But I, I had like a really good barber teacher, and he used to always tell me that it's, it's better to go against the grain because you get, I was kind of young, but I went against the grain on his head, though. And he didn't say anything initially, but. I remember seeing him like two weeks later. So I'm thinking, okay, this is my return client. So I'm like, yo, what's up? And he like, nah, man, you fucked my hair up. And everybody heard it. And I heard it. And like, yo, so it was. Everyone turns off their buzzers, gets it, a little quiet. It, 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 it was tense, though, because it was tense for one. Anybody tell you that you, you fucked, fucked up their hair. Yeah, you know what else here. And then he was like, he was like vocal about it. He told me. Then I knew who he was. So it could have went either way, though. So it was funny, though, at the time, though, because it was just like, dang, and everybody heard it. And, you know, I'm thinking that's nothing to it. It's like you thinking, you know, because he ain't say nothing in. So it must it must have grew back like he didn't want it. Because at the time, you know, because I was thinking like, oh, what's up, man? You know, we were talking about Jeezy. What's up? And he's like, no. Nah, Did he man. tip you well after that first haircut, though? 
I mean, I don't remember him not tipping well. He gave me what it was. But that was that was a funny, and I remember like, yeah, that, like my feelings were hurt. It's one th- it's, it's one thing for your feelings to be hurt, and you scared. <laughs> yeah. So I was like kind of nervous. I was like, yo, I don't know what he. But I mean, outside of that though, you know, yeah, I mean, you go mess people's head so up. Though. Why did he like Jeezy so much though? What was he said, why? Is, yeah, why did he like Jeezy? Oh, because you know he was he was he was authentic though. He was like about he he, he was talking about the, the the prices or something like that though. He so was, that's how you knew that he was a drug dealer. That's kind of how I knew though. You know what I mean? Because I think Jeezy was on the radio or something or yeah. something. He said it like you heard the new Jeezy album. I was like, oh yeah, it's alright. But you yeah. know, I'm just a regular dude. I'm a civilian, so I'm like, yeah, Jeezy, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I like you know. I, what love mean? I love that saying too. Sometimes, man, he's a civilian. Yeah, Leave yeah, him yeah, alone. yeah, yeah. So I was a civilian, so I was like, yeah, it sounds good. But he was like crazy about him. And when he told me that, I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this guy's probably, you know. So that was a, I don't know if that's a funny story, more so of a sad story. You know what I mean? Young Thug is probably my favorite Atlanta rapper. Yeah, yeah, You young, like Young Thug? I like Young Thug. Bro, man. how much time do you think he's going to do? And you know, it's funny. I was I was just, you watch the Daily Podcast? Nah, maybe I've heard of it. You listen to the Daily Podcast? Well, listen to, but the Daily Podcast just recently had a whole uh, segment about Young Thug and the Rico and they were saying about talking about how like the lyrics or whatnot are, are gonna be like yeah they're really using them yeah I don't really think he's gonna get no time like that though you you think he is though I I I could see him getting like maybe five to seven years type I can't see him getting more than that though I don't That'd be know. Crazy. I actually think he's gonna get off though you think he's gonna get off I think he's gonna get off though I feel like there's so many people involved in the case though that have been like yeah that's what they were saying by him yeah you know to do things well yeah but I don't think you should listen to the daily podcast because they don't really have anything that sticks though you know like I, I mean I don't know I'm not really keeping up like with the with the with the case Every day though, but from what the daily podcast is like, they just usually they just trying to use his lyrics against him. Yeah, and he's saying like, yeah, I'm a rapper, I'm it's entertainment, right, I'm right, saying right. this. So that's what he said kinda, about being a blood too. He's like, man, yeah, that's entertainment, exactly. You know, so like to me, I don't really. I mean, but I don't know. I just hope he because Young Thug is is is. is I like Young Thug. Love he, him, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The he's most super creative. Recent albums he dropped when he was in prison was sick. There were like eight bangers that I still have on my Spotify playlist. Yeah, like he's been in jail for. Like almost eighteen months now. Yeah, I think maybe even more than that. Yeah, you know what's crazy about Young Thug? You you can tell Young Thug is real street because he, he put on the dress, and the city still didn't turn on. You know what I mean? Right. Well, he had the stick. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me say, so I remember the dress because I, I had a stick. It <laughs> means gun, white people. Hey, I know. You know what's crazy? I remember somebody. <laughs> I remember this. I remember somebody was talking about how. Like real, real street dudes wasn't gonna turn their back on Young Thug, and they was just like, "Yo, there were people like, yo, how you gonna be a Young Thug fan? He wearing a dress, and and, and street dudes was just being like, nah, he just different, you know what I mean? That was the excuse. Oh, I like <laughs> so, that. So yeah, you know, so like that's just you, you know how like real you gotta be to be able to pull that off, and people in the city still get behind you though, you know. So that's like, I mean, not to say that there's anything wrong with that though, but I'm just saying, that's you know, yeah, 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 yeah. How do you feel about Gunner though being a snitch? It's the thing about Gunna about though. That. Well, I mean, you know, like I, I feel like Gunna, I I never really saw Gunna as like somebody that was like I think he's more of a of an artist yeah, than he is a street artist. dude. Yeah, though. I think he got jammed up. In yeah, you know, so now. like you 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 just expect him to do what he's you know like I think you can roll it, but like at the end of the day, like you know that's like somebody like me, you know, like you can't hold me accountable, right. you know, like I'm I'm a regular dude, you yeah. know what I mean? You can't hold me to those so those same rules though. So to me, I'm not surprised he did what he did. You know, I'm not saying, you know, I agree with it. I feel like if you're going to run with those dudes, you, but at the end of the day, you know, 
If yeah. he's not really built like that, would you think he gonna stand tall for you? Yeah. You know? I think there's gotta be something to be said in the beginning of it. You know, you know Jimmy Iveen, the mm. head of Universal Records? Yeah. He's like he has all these artists and uh I heard fifty cent was was like vocal about Jimmy Iovine being like, "Look, I'm a snitch. If you guys talk about anything street here, yeah. like I'm a snitch yeah, man, yeah, like yeah, I'm a yeah. businessman." Yeah, I think it's you that know? you know. I think it's important, you know, if you know to 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 be clear and honest about like where you stand. Like you know, I've always been a civilian. I've never been involved in the streets. Yeah, and so because of that, people have never you know I've you know if anything I've been protected in situations because it's just like nah man, like you know that's a good dude. Yeah. He don't you know he don't get involved. He's not trying to do nothing. But like if you. You know, so you can't really hold certain people, you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, I can see why people would be frustrated with it because, you know, from the outside looking in, it looked like he rolling with him, but then it's just like you yeah, turn your back on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, he, you know, I'm not surprised. I don't really think Gunner was like, you know, a real like in the streets like that, though. You know what I mean? Let's uh, go back a few years. Mm -hmm. You got divorced? You got divorced, Doc. Yep. Was that like an inspiration for a lot of material? For a lot of material. Yeah, and how old were you when you got married? I was I was pretty young. We were only married for like two years though, but we were together for six years though. Was that like a high school sweetheart? Nah, it was uh, a Rutgers sweetheart. Nah, not even that. It was it was uh, we actually met in Atlanta, and uh, we 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 were together for two years. And we did long distance, and it's funny too. I knew her a while back. I knew her when she had a boyfriend. And then I heard she, you know, my girl probably ain't gonna like the fact I'm talking about you. Like, talking about your ex. You on the podcast? I, I, I asked about you on the podcast. So talking about your ex. Talk about me. Anyway, and then uh, yeah, and I remember I, I had just moved up to New York, and then I found that she had broke up with a boy. I knew her, like you know, I would see her out. You know, we had mutual friends, and we dated for like two years. We were in a relationship. We did the long distance, and then she moved up, and we lived together for two years. And she after, came to New York. She moved to New York, and then we got married. And it just, yeah, it just didn't work out. I, you know, it, I think it was a, a disconnect between, you know, where our lives were headed. She was from the South. She was from Atlanta. I think she she moved up to New York to be with me. She never really liked New York. She kind of wanted the South. She didn't really like me being the stand-up. That had a lot to do with why I was kind of inconsistent with stand-up. Because she really, you know, she really wasn't, she really didn't want to be with an entertainer, though. You know, like the late nights. You know, some women are not with that, you know. So that really wasn't her thing, though. But once we got... Once we got divorced, and that's when I really hit comedy full force. And uh, yeah, I mean, I still I, I got some divorce material on the uh, on the uh, on album. the album though. Yeah, I mean, you know, comedy is is what is you know tragedy. So you know, like that's anytime something bad happens, you definitely can get some good material from that. Did though. you feel like it was at the time a tragedy for you? Uh, was it was like it when you, like when you got married? Were you like I'm actually gonna be with this girl for the next seventy years or something like that? Or do you I mean, I, I, I think I think most people do plan, but I, you know what's funny? I think we both went in it because we we both agreed that we were gonna wait two years before we had kids. So I think Ooh, we smart. I think we both realized like yo we gonna you know but like yeah I think I think yeah I don't think you would ever I don't see anybody. I don't know anybody that would marry somebody and not plan on being with them forever. I think yeah, you, man. I think you, you look at this person like, yeah, I could, I could rock out, you know, for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I think you just, they get incorporated in, into your life to the point where you just like, yo, this is, this works. This is, you know, like, I don't, I don't see myself not being with you until you get to a point where the pain of being with them, you know, is, is worse than the pain being without them. Yeah. You know, I wonder if she had an image of what your stand up comedy life was going to look like in New York 
as opposed to what it actually was, you know? Cause like the best, like best things, the best thing that would happen would be you're up seven nights a week and you're getting home at 1am or something like I that. I mean, to her defense, when we first met, I, 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 I just started doing open mics and I was kind of like tiptoeing. What, what were you doing uh, other besides that? I was just cutting hair. I was in the, working in the barbershop. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I had just started and I wasn't as, you know, when you first start doing comedy, you know, like you don't really, I mean, for me, I didn't hit the ground running. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I realized it was what I probably should be doing, but to be totally honest with you, I didn't necessarily want to put the work that I knew I needed to do to be a stand-up comedy. Like I, early on, I understood what it was going to take. You know, it, it it just wasn't about being funny. You know, it's, it, you know, like I, you think about what I do now, like you know, getting on stage, writing. Uh, I mean, watching the news. I mean, just you know, it's a lot that you got to do. I mean, sending out emails. You know, just branding yourself. Like I just wasn't ready to do that in the beginning. So. You know, for her, it was kind of like, you know, all right, well, he a comedian, but, you know, he, he ain't really a comedian, you know. But then we started to really have some issues in our relationship. And then I started to realize that comedy was like a healthy outlet, you know, because I don't drink. I don't smoke. You know, I don't really, you know, I wasn't cheating. So I was like, all right, well, let me let me let me get on stage and talk about, you know, what's going on. So then I started to really realize how therapeutic it was for me, at least. And that's when I, and then, and you know, like, I, I think I'm, I think I've always been naturally funny, uh, even in the beginning. Yeah, I think people, funny, oh, appreciate it. Likewise, too. Man, you Thank hosted you, the hell out of that show. Thank you. So I think people started to realize, like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty talented. And then I started to be like, all right, well, maybe. And at that point, it was just like, yo, you know, you out at night, you know, she kind of had some, some insecurity issues. You know, I think she had some baggage from a previous relationship. So I think she was constantly thinking about me cheating. You know, any woman is going to be like that in a relationship. Yeah. If you for stand up, you are you making women kiki. You know, girls you, are drinking. Yeah, maybe you're drinking. Well, yeah, not you, but yeah. And then you know, we we yeah. above you know average when it comes to you know nice looking comedians. You know what I mean? So like it ain't you know. So yeah, I think that was always an issue. And uh, was there a fight that happened that you were like, all right, this. Probably. I'm going to try and make it work, but this isn't going to work. You know what's like funny, Matt? I, I never forget. I think when I, when I really realized, she asked me, she was like, Yo, you got to choose between me or comedy, though. Ah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. She, she, and I thought she was joking at first, but she was serious, though. And, you know, I was just like, because, you know, my thing is, uh, and not to talk bad about her, you know, she, you know, she's, she's, she's cool. But, like, I just didn't understand if, how if you really care for somebody you love somebody if you see something that really brings them joy and happiness that you wouldn't want them to do that you know like so to me that's when i was like there's, there's got to be a disconnect because i'm not like that if i'm in a relationship and, and you know like if you if it's something that my girl she loves doing i feel like she's excited and she's you know i'm like yo you do that that means you're gonna be a better you you're gonna be better than me but for her, it was like, nah, like I want, I want, you know, and I was just like, yo, like that, that's not going to work for me. So I think at that point I realized like, yeah, this might not be what I need to be doing right now. Though. Yeah. And previous relationships that haven't worked out, obviously for me, I feel like there was some sort of jealousy that I was out having fun, having a good time without yeah, her. Exactly. You know? And that's like the worst feeling ever. You go on stage, you have the best set. Yeah. You're taking the train home. You're happy, you're happy, you're happy. Then you get to the, your apartment and then. It's yeah. And that's exactly like, what? what it was though. Like she would be mad. Then it's just like, yo, you trying to hang. And that's one thing I appreciate about my girl right now though. And, and to her defense is that now I'm actually, you know, 
she met me when I was a little further along. You know what I mean? I'm generating money doing stand-up. You know what I mean? Like, she's, I, you know, I'm a better stand-up. So when she first met me, I met her two years ago, I was already, like, you know, working, you know? Like, I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but it was like, oh, okay, this guy really does that. Yeah. So it was easier for her to accept that this was what I was doing. But she is somebody that's, you know, just a lot more supportive when it comes to that regard, though. You know, well, she, I think you you made yourself over the years a more full and complete person because you're like, all right, yes, yeah, stand up is really what this I'm is doing. a part and of who I am. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then she knows that that's what you getting. That's that's what comes along with me, though. Yeah. Like, this is what you know. And she's super cool about that. You know, uh, she realizes that sometimes I got to be out even when I don't have a show. You know, hanging is yeah, so important. Dude. Yeah, yeah you know, so she's cool with that. So she understands that aspect. I think in the beginning years of a comedian's career, we're so vulnerable. Yeah. You know, like maybe uh, we'll be working four days a week and then the next month we're only working two days a week. And yeah. it's just like the ups, ups and downs of comedy. And yeah. it's so hard for another person to understand the yeah. ups and downs of comedy. You know, like maybe they're at a job and they know that they're going to make 75 exactly. the entire year. It's like we could make fucking $50,000 one year and then $20 million the next year. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, it's so like, they don't want to let, let us go either though. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like this is a gamble, you know. And then on top of that, the emotional roller coaster that comes with doing stand up, you know, like being a creative person, you know, and like trying to generate money, being creative and like, you know, me and my girl, we planning on having kids. So I need to figure out how I'm, you know, is there a timeline for that? As soon well, as possible. Want, I mean, she's get married first. Nah, we probably going to have kids first, though. Let's go. Yeah, That's yeah. fucking 2023 <laughs> shit. I love that. Man. Well, well, I my, love that. Well, my girl is a lot older, too, though. So she realizes, okay. if, you know, we've been together two years. If you waiting for a ring before we had kids, you know, this might, you know, it might take a little longer. So, yeah. I, 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 yeah I, and I think the dynamic is changing. Like, it's going to. Over the next like ten years, it's just going to be way more acceptable to have kids. I think before getting married, especially this day and age yeah. with all this marriage that falling apart and everything, there's so many distractions. Then on top of that, too, when you've already been married and you divorced, women ain't running to be <laughs> to marry you again, like to be the second. You know what I mean? Why right. they want to find something that you ain't already got? They like, oh, you've been married, but you ain't got no kids. All right, let me have some kids. That's something, you know. Right. So that's one thing too, though. That's like, oh, okay. I don't think she running to be, you know, the second wife. You know, she rather had kids. Then be like, all right, I got you. I got his kids. We, you know, we we got a we got a human being together. As opposed to like just you know being like all right because it's just like yo he might look like he changed why yeah, like he like changed big expensive party and then that's it the wedding you know yeah man but like yeah like me and my my ex wife we didn't even have a wedding we just eloped in Central Park yeah man yeah Damn. yeah but what go, about you though but go ahead oh, what you about to say. no no go ahead you were I was about saying, to but what, what question, about you? you you got an old lady with you with you nah man single. You out here in these streets. Man. Hey, man. In the streets, dog. Hey, the spot is looking real. Thank man. you, man. But hey. for the most part, it's just really for podcasts. <laughs> I appreciate you coming and sitting on the couch, dude. Oh, good. I, I want to get back to uh, maybe your high school days. You play yeah. sports in high school? I played basketball, man. Oh, yeah? I played basketball in I college too, that. a little bit, yeah. You played at Rutgers. Uh, Division three, though. Let me let me clarify that, though. Oh, yeah. uh, So what do you mean? You transfer? Nah, so Rutgers has this funny, too, because, like, you know, when I tell people that, I got to clarify. Because, you know, you <laughs> see how excited yeah, you get? Out, yeah, you're like, yo, Rutgers. <laughs> Was D one, and it's just like nah, it's, it's Division three, which is like yeah. So Rutgers has three different campuses. They got uh, they got Rutgers New Brunswick, which is the main campus, Division one Big East team. Then they got Rutgers Camden, which is Division three in the New Jersey Athletic Conference in Jack. And then you got Rutgers Newark, which is 
also Division Three in the New Jersey. That's athletic. where my grandparents met, by the way. Oh, where Rutgers in, University, in New York. Yeah. Oh, where that's where my mom went to school. Oh, at. yeah. Oh, where? All right, too. Okay, I nice. got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I played ball. I was, I, yeah, I played ball in high school too, though. You know. Do you ever think that you wanted to play at a higher level, pro, Division One? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I probably or maybe could. overseas. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm be honest with you. I, I was, I was, uh, I was probably D two. Maybe low level D one at best. What's I'm like not, low level D one though, like Acorn State. Yeah, Akron. like just one. I probably, I, I probably could have rode the bench on like this one of them no name Division one teams and like the 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 like like I don't know like one of those conferences in a, like Stetson or something. Oh, okay. you know, Florida, like yeah, yeah, Georgia something like type. that though. Like I probably, but like I was okay. I I, I think I caught on kind of late. My like my learning curve for the for the game. I actually didn't really fully understand. Like my basketball IQ didn't really catch on to like sophomore junior year in college. You know, so I think that had a lot to do with it. And then I was undersized. I'm five nine. Skill wise, I was alright. But uh, and I also didn't play my senior year. I played sophomore and junior year though. But my senior year, I got into it with my coach, and he cut me my senior year though. What happened? You know what it was, man. Like it was the craziest story. So, uh, my freshman year in high school, I went to this school, and I didn't. Uh, my grades were messed up, so I didn't play my freshman year. But I played my sophomore year, which was JV. Then my mom transferred me to this other school. Like in the north side because it was just like a better school. The other school was like bad. I wasn't even eligible to play, but the coach wanted me to play so bad. He ended up giving another address, and I started oh my, my junior year. Like, yeah, like he really. I was wait the coach that cut you got you another yeah, address. Yeah, like he really went out of his way. He got me an Guys address. Were boys. We, yeah, so like he really like <laughs> really wanted me to play my junior year. I started like you know a couple games, and then we was like falling out. And I, I kind of had an attitude. I was kind of cocky, you know. I I was pretty good. And then over the summertime, I ended up playing AAU basketball and I wasn't really around for like the summer league and like the little summer practices. And, you know, I really got a lot better. And I, I was I was super cocky. I just, you know, I went from everybody knew I was going to be the man. You know, Did this, you think you were going to play D1 ball at this particular time? At this time, I thought I probably could have got it. I mean, to me, I would have just took a division two. I mean, he, he according to him, he said he had some schools looking at me in my junior year. He said some some schools were inquiring about me. So I knew, you know, with the skill set I had from like previous years and then I was playing AU ball all summer, you know, I really developed my game. I thought I was going to be and I was super arrogant and uh, he cut me, bro. Why? What'd you do? I, like, I remember we had these practices and I just was like, you just took off your shirt and threw your jersey. I really wasn't doing anything. <laughs> we fell out my junior year, though, towards the end of the year because he was benching me. And um yeah, my senior, I, I just think he just, it, it was kind of cruel what he did, though. Because, you know, it's funny, man, like the parents tried to get me back on the team. The principal tried to get me back on the team. It was like a big deal, bro. Like for him to cut me, that's like a, like a, like it was like a dirty, it was kind of personal. And uh, yeah, man, he cut me. I don't, I don't remember doing anything crazy. I just knew I was kind of arrogant and I was cocky and it was kind of like he wanted to like teach me a lesson. And I had gotten so much better that senior year though. But he cut me though, bro. And you know what's funny though? That sparked. He cut me my senior year, right? I didn't play. Uh, I knew I really couldn't go to college like that. So because I had transferred from that other school, I was able to graduate from high school a semester early though. So I didn't even go to high school my senior year. And then. You, wait, how did you graduate semester early if you didn't go to high school though? 
Well, so basically, because I transferred to because I went to this 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 school in one region, in the city of Atlanta, then I transferred to Fulton County Schools. They had two different requirements for graduation. So by the time I got to my senior, a lot of a lot of people can graduate early. You know those seniors yeah, that taking four PE classes. Sure. So to me, since I got cut, I didn't want to be in school. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I just got cut. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be like no, you know. So uh, I graduated a semester early. Didn't go that last semester, and then I went. And I took off my fall semester in college. I didn't go to, to college my first semester, the fall semester. And but that year, that's when I went to barber school, though. And then I went to college that spring semester. And uh, that fall, I walked on to the to the school. It was, I, I, it was a Division three because it was funny too. I mean, it's a long story. I was supposed to go to Division. I was supposed to go to New Brunswick just for school, Rutgers University, New Brunswick, because I took off. That first fall semester, they were just like, yo, we got this big orientation for freshmen. We don't like our freshmen to come mid-semester. Because, you know, Rutgers New Brunswick, they got buses. I was at Livingston College. So it was just like, go to Rutgers Newark. It's a smaller campus for a semester and then transfer in the fall. But once I got there, I was like, oh, they got a Division three team. Like, I kind of like this. I was like, I might be able to walk on. So I walked on. And uh, I played there. And it's funny, too, the coach that I walked on with, he brought me on. He left that freshman year. He got a job at... Uh, Central Connecticut. Then they had a new coach, and it's like whenever you get a, a coaching change, I was like, all right, I'm out because I didn't get no playing time my freshman year. I was a walk on. They brought a new coach. Most of the time, they get they they recruit they they get their own little roster. But for whatever reason, I guess he was new. He kept me on 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 the roster, so I was like, oh, okay. So I was on the team the sophomore year. I didn't really play until that end of the semester. I ended up getting some playing time. And then that junior year, I was starting, and I messed around and quit my senior year. And then he brought me back. College was <laughs> the best four years of my life. Yeah. You know, like, I I, I can remember some specific belly lads. I'm going to tell you, this is when I, <laughs> I, I that's kind of when I realized that I could do comedy, though. I remember we used to get high, and we used to just roast people. And it was me, and I remember it would get to a point, it would just grow. We would get high, and we would be drunk, and we'd be in the dorms, and it, and the people before we knew it, people would just be like coming, and it was just like we created this audience, and it wasn't just me; it was me and like two other guys, but like like people from the hall, it would be like a thing, you know. But it was like open mic night. Yeah, it would just be people would just be roasting and just like you know that. But like I remember having some solid laughs. Like I can remember some specific laughs. You ever remember like a specific yes. belly laugh where it's just yes. like yo. That was one of the best laughs of my life. Yes. It was in college, you know. I had so much fun, man. Like, I got depressed when I left college, man. I had to go see a shrink. Did you move back to Atlanta after that? I stayed I stayed in New York and Jersey for a little bit, but, like, I was I was depressed, man. Like, like I, I, like, I, I thought my life was over with, man. Like, what else is there to do, you know? And yeah, then you I- Get more laughs, <laughs> as you've done, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I ended up going. I ended up going back to graduate. I ended up going to graduate school too, though. Oh no uh, yeah, way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to graduate school at Georgia State. Yeah, so okay. so yeah, that's probably had something to do with me. I, I, I you know, I, I miss school so much. Is I, that the is that the Drake song? What the tuition is handled by some? Is that Georgia State? Yeah. She go to Georgia State where tuition is handled by some random that yeah, live in Atlanta yeah, that yeah. she at least see when yeah, she yeah, feel yeah, obligated. Yeah, yeah, Georgia State got some nice looking women, man. Like yeah, what's that. up with that? Why? It's just a lot of girl, a lot of girls from Atlanta go well, there, right? You know why Georgia State is known to have some nice looking. I think all, I mean Atlanta is just known for nice looking women in general. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Spelman. You know, that's like all women school Clark Atlanta. 
Georgia Tech. But Georgia, St- Georgia State is a unique school in a sense where it's kind of like it's not a HBCU and it's not like Georgia Tech. And it's and it's, it's it's you know it's diverse, so Georgia State will attract like like this like this unique type of woman like you you like you might like you might meet somebody at Georgia State that like 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 that's like you'll never see in the city of Atlanta though, like you'll meet like an Ethiopian. He's like, I didn't even know there was Ethiopians or like you might even meet like so like Georgia State is kind of diverse, so like you'll meet somebody in Atlanta that. You know, it's like, it's like women that go to Georgia State that don't really fit the, like, Atlanta mold that are, like, diamonds in the rough. So I think that's why. So when he said Georgia State, I was like, okay, I know what you're talking about. That. Yeah, it's, it's yeah the he thing knows that about you, it. Yeah, yeah. That's like the guy who you cut uh, his hair and the young Jeezy. He knows about yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, Drake he knows, knows about, about it. it. Exactly, yeah. But uh, Did you know of anyone who went pro in, like, football or basketball from your town? Yeah, man. Uh, let me see. Personally, some athletes, yeah, maybe the, the same uh, year. I know, like, I, I I knew a couple guys that went. Anybody I know that went pro pro? Uh, there was a dude in my class. I didn't really know him personally. I knew him in passing. This dude, he played for Indiana. Dude named Jameson Brewer. Dude named Jamie. You know what I mean? Uh, I remember he went pro. Who else? Uh, I knew a couple guys that went Division One. Couple guys I grew up with, they they played at division. They played at University of Indiana. Oh wow! And they went to the Final Four. Yo, you know what's crazy? So this is a funny story, though. I'm, I'm you're supposed to be talking about comedy, but nah, dude, come on. Yeah. So basically, this, this this was like the crazy situation. So I worked in this barbershop inside this 24 hour basketball gym called Running Shoe. Right. This is when I was playing Division Three college Wait, basketball. What was that? What was Running Shoes? The name of the gym? It's called Running Shoe. Oh, I thought you said Running Shoe. So okay. it's called Running Shoe. So I played. So I, I worked in this barbershop. It was this 24 hour gym. I was a finance major in undergrad at this time too. So they had this pro am. Like it was, you know, you know what a pro am is. Like it's like all these pro ball players they come and they play for the summer. So they had and this, then like good high school players being amateurs. Well, no, not necessarily high school, but good Division One basketball players. So it's like pros and high level D one players, right? Who was who was the amateur in then? You said like the pro ams. So like you would have NBA guys, you would have overseas oh, okay, guys, okay. you would have like Division One guys though. And so they had this pro am in the city of Atlanta, and this was this twenty four hour gym. And I was like, yo, the owner used to come into the shop. So I used to be like, yo, bro, like, why you ain't got a team in the Pro-Am? I was like, it's, it's run and shoot. Like, this exemplifies basketball. He was like, yeah, man, we always, I was like, yo, I'll put together the team. And he was just like, ah, oh, you know, I was like 16, I was like 17 at this time, right? And I was like, yo, it just costs $800 to get a team, you know, to pay for everything. And the dude, and I sold it to him. I like put together like How this. much does a winner get? Well, you don't even get like anything but it's just like just to have a team it's just like businesses will create a team oh, right, right, it's kind of right. like some ebc type you okay. know like you know so he cut me a check for the 800 dollars, right i started a team right and i put myself on it. i was the only division three basketball player on this squad right on probably in the league then i put two of the guys i grew up with they were they were basketball players at the university of indiana that year right so we were the only three players on we were the only three college players on the Pro-Am team. We got our ass whooped. Like, we we lost. I mean, I remember, like, dudes were giving us buckets. Damon Stoudemire and everybody was. But the crazy part about it was we played. It, it really helped my game. After that, after that summer, I had my best year in college, though. And after that summer, the two guys that I played with on the Pro-Am at University of Indiana, they went to the Final Four that year, though, right? So not only did they go to the Final Four, but they went to the National Championship game. And the national championship game was in Atlanta, though. So you got to realize I was rooting for him. Did you go? 
I didn't go. I was in school in New Jersey, uh, though. Damn. But you, you got to realize. So, but when I was in school over the summer, because I had videos of me playing in a program with my guys. I remember my coach and everybody was watching. He was like, yo, these are the guys that you was playing in a program with. So it was so cool to see them in the national championship game. We played together that summer. And then for them, but, but it just goes to show what it did for our game because we was getting beat up by pros that whole summer though. So not only did I have my best year, these guys obviously had their best year though. Went to, then it was so crazy. They went to the national championship game in Atlanta though. Like, like that's like a fairy tale to be a division one basketball player, to make it to the final four in the yeah. national championship. And it's in your city. So that was the highlight of their career. Those two guys. What, like, yo, like uh, somebody that I knew, like, cause like they used to have a lot of parties. I heard the party they had that night was bananas. <laughs> like dudes were calling me from the party, like, "Yo, you need to fly down." It <laughs> was like, "Yo, bro, this party is bananas." We got like, bottle service here. Like at the the, exactly, exactly. It was like this dude used to throw these house parties, and it was so crazy too because they didn't even win. Ended up losing the national championship, and it was probably because they was just hanging. You know what I mean? But like, uh, so those are a couple guys. I, they, they neither one of them ended up. One of them, I think, one of them ended up. I don't know if he got drafted, but like. Those are the closest guys. Anybody that like really play high level, though, you know. What's that weather like in Atlanta now that it's snowing outside in New York? Well, Atlanta's kind of uh, Atlanta's kind of like. Does it get below thirty two degrees? It doesn't really snow. It doesn't really get that cold, and it, it sometimes it will. But it's Atlanta's not a walking city, though. Mm. So you drive in most of the most like of the not time. Not even in the city center, you can't really walk. Yeah, around. you can walk around. Like people do, probably walk in town. Like you living in the city downtown, but most people are driving. So even if it is cold, it's it like doesn't whatever. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you definitely don't need don't. to like heat up the car. It's exactly, already, it's already pretty good. How do you feel the Atlanta comedy scene has scene has grown since you started here? Oh, uh, like Atlanta. Let me tell you something. Atlanta's got some solid comics, man. I'm always been an advocate of comedians outside of New York. Because to me, I feel like yeah. I remember the when um, the other night you were with your buddy from uh, what was he from like DC or DC, somewhere? Rollo, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Okay, like like I feel as though like New York is is where all of the best comedians from all over the country come because this is where the industry is. But I've been in some cities, you know, in Atlanta, you know, in particular, where they're like it's some funny guys, man. That just that just are not in the city. If they were in the city and they were they were working on a regular basis, they would easily get. Like, you know, some TV gigs that just get so many more opportunities. But like Atlanta's got some strong comics. Well, but if you're saying that, that if they move, they would get more opportunities. What's what's stopping them? Well, you know, a lot of times you, you'd be surprised, man. Like, I think the hardest part about being a stand up comedy is is like being getting to New York, though. You know, you'd be surprised. I mean, we're lucky, you know, like we we live here. We figured out a way to, you know, but like you got real, like this. There's, there's some comedians that have lives, you know, they got families or they got jobs that you just can't that's easily. Something like, dude, if you had had kids with your divorced wife, like, that's a whole new. Exactly. So like it's harder to move to New York than than you think it is, especially if you. Definitely. Yeah. So like, but uh, yeah, Atlanta's got a solid comedy scene. They got the Laughing Skull Comedy Club that I have a relationship with. So it's probably one of the best comedy clubs, showcase style. They pay good. Just just a solid professional club. Uh, and then you got Atlanta Comedy Theater, which is it's basically headliner clubs. Um, and that's really, and then you got Uptown Comedy Corner, which is like, you know, like more on the, uh, the urban scene with comedy. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta's got some solid, man. Yeah, Atlanta's got a nice little scene, you know. Do you think that 
T.I., former rapper turned, I guess, comedian now, has helped the Atlanta comedy scene. I know that like a lot of people have been tuning in now to uh, I think comedy for sure, that. though, like t- to me, I think it was like flattering to see somebody that's like been successful in music, successful rap career, been on films and like come in our world. Like, you know, and like, you know, basically started from scratch. Exactly. Like, obviously, a lot of people are coming out to see him. But yeah, he knows like a lot of people. And then T.I. is funny, you yeah. know, and like, a lot of people don't know the history. Of, like T.I. was always heavily involved in comedy, though. Like, I think they, they had a comedy night at uh at uh, this club on Ashby Street, like like a while back. Like they he was always involved in comedy, though. And then T.I. is a funny guy. You know, so I, I could see him, you know, doing it. And I think a lot of people were feeling some type of way because they felt like he was kind of using his fame. He was getting a lot of opportunities. Well, that's a, that's a choice that he's made. But uh, like to me, I, I thought it was flattering. When I saw T.I. was doing comedy, I was like, oh, OK, like that's like just imagine somebody that's, you know, they don't have to do this and they want to do this, you know. But uh, I think it helped the scene, though, you know, and uh yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of people were, were, were talking about how he wasn't funny. He was just new. Like, I don't understand why comedians do that when they talk trash about new. Like, like we weren't never new. You know, I think sometimes comedian would be more, more in a way to talk trash as if, like, somebody has a million followers on TikTok and then all of a sudden they start doing comedy mm. and they're selling out 300-seat theaters. That's when some comics who have been in the industry for a few years, they'll get a little bitter. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I could see the frustration. I mean, but it's just, you know. If I, one person eats, I feel like everybody has yeah, an opportunity. Exactly. And I think I think for comedians, we got to be careful. And I, I can get in that space, too. Like, of, of uh, I think we got to keep the focus on ourselves, man. I think that bitterness, that jealousy. Like, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, if you do what you do, you put the work in, you're going to get what you're supposed to get, though. You know? And I think, and that, and that, and that came came back to the whole idea of doing an album i think it's like let me focus on what can i do because when you when you totally engulfed in what you can do for your career you really ain't got time to think about nobody else like think about how you were like all right i'm not getting as many spots you could have just been like all right i'm not getting as many spots like what the hell what yeah the hell? i mean Instead, i was you freaking made an yeah album, and i was starting to get in that space you know and i was I, I could see myself you know you're scrolling on instagram you're like dang man how he on you know what i mean like i ain't getting no spots this month they got him up you know so I said, let me, what can I do before? And, and and so that's that whole thing about looking at, I just think that that's just kind of unhealthy. I know everybody, we can get into that space, but I think we want to be careful with it. You know, you know, it's funny though. I, it's a funny story. One of my buddies that I started with, that was somebody we started with and got passed at the comedy cellar. And I was excited. And I told him, I was like, yo man, so-and-so got passed at the comedy cellar. You know, we started with him and you know, that says, you know, I'm excited. Cause it's like, if he's up, then that means, you know, maybe we not too far away. And he said something like he wasn't all that happy. He was just like, yeah, I heard about it. And I remember calling him out. And I told him, I said, yo, these are the seeds of hate. I was like, yo, you about this. This is how haters are born right now, though. I could tell like you about to turn into a hater because he wasn't happy. I was excited, you know, like, yo, guess who? And so, like, I know, you know, it's it's, it's easy for anybody to get in that space. In any field. Yeah, in any field. You know, you're human. You know, you got emotions, you know. So, like, you know, you're going to have that feeling. But I think you need to be proactive about like dealing with it and processing it and then trying not to feed it, though, because I, I think it's counterproductive. And now you now you this angry, bitter comedian. Now you you spazzing out. Now, you know, don't nobody want to work with you. You know, now you're talking about who's funny. You know, funny. You know, I just think you want to be careful with that, though. You know, 
So, uh, you gotta yeah. be looking in that mirror and make sure you're doing Just focus on yourself, you man. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like totally. you got your podcast, man. This is dope. You know what I mean? Thank you. Chris, I think that's a good that's a good place to end this, bro. I really appreciate you hey, coming man, on, always, dude. Man, I hope I wasn't talking too much. No, man. dude, you're freaking great. <laughs> so before we get out of here this freaking Friday, mm-hmm. listen to Chris Brown's album. Mm-hmm. Dude, where can we find this album? And Spotify, shout out your Instagram, Apple Music, please. Chris Brown Comedy, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube Music, all of the streaming platforms, man. You know, so uh, yeah, man, come check me out, man. Keep following, keep supporting Ted Jones. It's a good dude. Let's man. go, Chris yeah. Brown, my show. man, dude. Yeah. Uh, to a long freaking fruitful relationship of friendship. Yeah. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Likewise, Guys, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.